The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. If you are ever in the Chicagoland area, make sure you stop on by. This will be a great Sunday, by the way. We have our annual Christmas concert and candle lighting service coming up on December 22nd, 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon or 12 p.m. at Central Standard Time. So if you can't be in Chicago to come to the service, make sure you check out the live stream at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. Also, because this will be our last show before we break for the holidays, uh, let me wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, or whatever religious tradition you practice. I practice uh, 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 the Christmas season, and um, therefore, I'm going to have a good time and give me some good rest during a break from teaching and classes and doing the shows. But I'll be right back on, I believe it is January 15th after this show, and we'll get right back to it. So I'll make sure we have some nice encore episodes for you uh, that you can still uh, um, learn and develop and grow through and go through and et cetera, so you can make the demonstrations of life you desire. Today's the last week of the um, course, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. And it is important that um, I acknowledge the masterpiece that this book is. Um, even if you don't agree with everything in the book, the book makes you think. And that's really the purpose of a great book. It makes you think. It makes you analyze. It makes you uh, critique um, the the material so you can really get baseline with what you believe about a thing. So Discover the Power Within You, I believe, is a top five book in New Thought. And even when I've veered away from the author, uh, I didn't veer away from the standpoint of disagreeing, but veering off from the standpoint of enhancing what he brought to the table. So, again, we're going to teach the last chapter, which is when shall the kingdom come? And we'll just take it from there. So before I actually get into what he talks about, I, I like I would like to set a, some context. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, these terms are used a lot in churches. Um, for different religions borrow the term the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is used in many religious circles. Um, and the kingdom of God was Jesus' central message. If you read the first gospel, which is the gospel of Mark, and you read chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, you'll discover that that was Jesus' message. He basically puts it right out there. You know, the you know the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
He puts it right out there. So Jesus' central message was and is the kingdom of God. Now, eventually the religion of Jesus turns into the religion about Jesus. And the message and the power of the kingdom message and what it meant in his context, in his time, and what it can mean in ours somehow got muddled. And one of the ways that it did is through the layers of tradition that are actually in the Gospels. Uh, when you read the Gospels, you're not reading biographies. As I've said before, the Gospels are more like faith portraits. They had particular communities that believed certain things about Jesus. So they were presenting their communities, Jesus. That's why the writings, even the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called synoptic because they have similarities, they also have differences. And the Gospel of John in and of itself is another community that thought about Jesus in a particular way. Now, how did this happen? It's because of the way it was written. Um, many biblical scholars talk about uh, it being four levels to the Gospels. In other words, when you're reading the Gospels, you're actually reading four levels or four layers of tradition. They actually call it layers of tradition. Reading this from the book, uh, The Parables of Jesus, the Red Letter Edition by the Jesus Seminar. And they basically uh, named the four layers. They call it Jesus. The first layer is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. So at the earliest layer of reading the Gospels, understanding the Gospels in their context, is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. So when you go in to the Gospels and you start to take them apart and put them back together, the first layer you get is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. Second layer, disciples talking about Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God. So then you get the disciples' interpretation of Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. All right. Then the third level is community talking about disciples, talking about Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. So now you're getting the community's interpretation or, or the presentation of the disciples talking about Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God. Fourth level, which is the level that most people read it on and don't realize the earlier layers, is community talking about itself, talking about disciples, talking about the kingdom, excuse me, Community talking about itself, talking about disciples, talking about Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God. So in other words, the Gospels, even though they're written 60, 70 years, you know, after, you know, 50, 60, 70 years after Jesus's uh, resurrection. Many of the things that they put in Jesus's mouth or in the mouth of or in the context of the stories have nothing to do with Jesus's era, but had to do with things that were going on in their local churches or church areas or the things that the church was dealing with, with the Jewish um, leadership, like the Pharisees, like uh, the things that they were dealing with, with um, how do you bring this message out to the Roman empire and et cetera, and persecution and things of that nature. So some of those things are actually written into the gospel. So what ends up happening is when we don't realize what layer we're reading, when we're reading the Gospels, we will take we will lose the original layer because we'll start focusing on all the other layers. If I'm thinking that what I'm reading about the community is what Jesus is really emphasizing, then I'll lose that the earliest layer of the Christian tradition in the Gospels are the Jesus talking about the kingdom of God or all of those layers are always Jesus talking about the kingdom of God at its earliest level. Now, why am I saying that? Because now we need to deal with if the chapter and discover the power within you is when shall the, the kingdom come? Then we need to undress what his kingdom mean. In the book, uh, And There Was Light by Rocco Erico, he gives a definition of Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom in its original language. He says on page 36, the term kingdom may be difficult for modern readers to relate to. Malkutha, which is the word literally kingdom, comes from the Aramaic word root M-L-K-H. It means to counsel, advise, reign, and rule. I'll repeat that. 
It means to counsel, advise, reign, and rule. He says a king, Malka in Aramaic, also means counselor. Malkuth in Semitic languages also refers to sovereignty, and in this case, God's sovereignty. All right. He says, to put it more simply, the term kingdom of God represents God as sovereign king, ruler, or counselor. Jesus' message was God's sovereign and active presence arriving in the world. He had a vision of God that went beyond the religious limits of his day. And then he goes on to say, and I want to read one more thing from here, or two more things from this book. Uh, Page 38, he, he wrote, Jesus had a grasp of divine principles that brought life and healing to the ills of his people. His message was not about fear, threat, or sacrificial blood for the forgiveness or cleansing of sin. His gospel of the kingdom was about love, compassion, forgiveness, and all-inclusiveness, and God's active presence with and among all races. This was Jesus' vision of God and his joyful message. Joyful message means gospel in Aramaic. One more thing from this book. He goes on to say on page 39, for Jesus, God's kingdom was present and active, but it was still to come in a greater way. So now we have a little bit of context. I want to read another quote. This is from uh, reading the New Testament by Theme Perkins. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But anyway, this is on page 78 of the second edition. I believe it's the third edition of this now. And this is uh, under the chapter, The Preachings of Jesus Proclaiming the Kingdom of God. The expression kingdom or reign of God frequently introduces Jesus' message. It would invoke images of God ruling over the people. For some, the true experience of God's rule could only come with the messianic age when evil had been destroyed. Israel was obedient to her God and even the nations would be able to see the Lord's presence as ruler of Israel. In Jesus' preaching, the kingdom is not just a reference to some distant event. So in other words, this is what these people believed, that all these things had to happen, and that represented the kingdom, all of these outer things. Okay. Again, he says, in Jesus' preaching, the kingdom is not just a reference to some distant event. Its presence makes itself felt in persons who live, whose lives are changed. But the kingdom is not identical with what happens in this world either. Now, and this book goes on along and, and, and tells us along with the parables of Jesus book I read earlier that in the Greek, the kingdom of God basically means God's rule or God's domain or God's reign. All right. So the Greek and the Aramaic are similar. I think what the Aramaic gives the extra part is God's uh, counsel or, you know, which basically means the presence of God. Now, I want to read one other thing. And then we're going to jump into this and start unwrapping it. This is from Joel Goldsmith, A Parenthesis in Eternity, which, by the way, is my favorite Joel Goldsmith book. If you're a Joel Goldsmith reader, he says on page one. And again, he's talking about the kingdom. Somewhere in consciousness, there lies a land undiscovered, a land not yet revealed by religion, philosophy or science. I know that it exists for it continually pushes itself into my awareness. I know that when it discloses itself, it will change the nature of mankind. Wars will be no more and the lamb will lie down with the lion. I know its name for it is revealed as my kingdom or my grace. Christ Jesus spoke of this kingdom. But neither the spoken word nor the manuscripts so far discovered have revealed its full significance. In my high moments, I have lived and experienced this kingdom. And sometimes its atmosphere clings to me for days. But then again, it eludes me. Sometimes in healings, I have witnessed its action, but have only caught glimpses of it. It has shown me the human mind of mankind and its operations and how men can use the mind for evil purposes as well as for good. This spiritual kingdom, this inner world, is as real as the world we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. If anything, 
more real. What we become aware of through the senses eventually changes and disappears. But this inner world, these spiritual glories that are revealed to us, these spiritual lights with whom we learn to tabernacle, they never disappear. This is the world the master Christ Jesus revealed. A kingdom which exists right here where we are if we will but receive the spirit of God within us. It is already established here on earth only awaiting our recognition and realization. Then he goes on and says, finding that kingdom will in no wise take us out of the world. It will leave us in it, but not of it. We will enjoy all the things to go up, go to make up a full and rich life. We will not become ascetics, but we will no longer desire things or long for them. And even though the riches of life will be a part of our experience inwardly, we will be so free of them that our whole inner being will be lived in and of God. The mystical world is a real world. It is a world of people and a world of things formed of the illumined or enlightened consciousness. But how do we become the illumined or the enlightened? How do we find this mystical world? What is mysticism? So that's what basically the the, the crux of this book is about. I want to read one more thing from this book. Uh, or yeah, one more thing. This is on page. Well, I'm not going to read that because this oh, too much explaining. Ah, so basically, the gist of me giving you all of that context, reading from these multiple books before I get into Eric Butterworth's book, is to have you realize or help you realize, rather, excuse me. That the kingdom of God message is a here and now message. The kingdom of God is here. And it is now. And it is complete. And yet it is still being manifested. It's one thing for it to be complete and ideal. It's another thing for it to be complete in expression. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is among you. We live, move, and have our being in the presence of God. That is all true. But it's still being manifested. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come. Because this ideal has to be brought into manifestation. And this is what Goldsmith is talking about through his inner mystical experiences, he got a glimpse of the kingdom and what it meant. Because for Jesus, it was a mystical experience as well, but also a practical one. Mystical in the sense that you can't detect it with the five senses. Practical in the sense that it transcends your, the five sense realm and shows up as provision and as health and as peace and as harmony and success or whatever is needed in your three dimensional physical life. But my kingdom is not of this world. That's the paradox of it. God's sovereign rule, God's domain, God's counsel, God's presence, real now seeking to further express itself in me, through me, as me. It's a now experience, and it's an experience to come. That's the best way I can explain it. So we're going to take our first break, and when we get back, we'll go into the book and explain how Eric Butterworth taught it. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. 
To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're again wrapping up the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. And I just gave you some context about the kingdom of God just to try to help the process of getting what Eric Butterworth will be uh, will be discussing or I'll be teaching. We aren't discussing it. Um, and therefore, helping the process of your revelation and realization in truth. Now, you can ask me questions. You can call in to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489, and make sure that you um, call in. Also, again, I want to remind you that you can watch the live stream of Christ Universal Temple at www.cutemple.org. Watch the Sunday services. We have a Christmas concert and candle lighting service this Sunday, and then every week here, Reverend Derek B. Wells preaching lessons. Also, for those who might not be aware of it, uh, Reverend Wells and our community choir legacy um, will have a CD um, coming out this Friday. So you can go on the website, www.cutemple.org, go to the bookstore link and actually pre-order the CD. Or if you're listening to this after Friday, December 20th, you can go on and order one. It's a powerful, inspirational, um, new thought-oriented gospel music. Believe me when I tell you it's going to be the the next new big thing. So make sure that you get it. Um, the name of the album is It's About Time. It's only $15. Also, please remember that Unity Online Radio is supported by your generous donations. So as you have fully received, please fully give. Your donations help support the administrative staff. The, you know, the, the people who are doing this online, meaning, quote unquote, the host, we're not getting paid to do this. Your money, all of your money goes into making sure that 
this message goes across around the world. We're not doing this for the dollar. We're doing this because we care about humanity, but we need your support. So as you give, that allows us to make sure that we have computers and phone systems that work and admin people that can make sure the stuff takes is done right and and websites and other stuff that you know all the technical behind the the, the scene stuff. All of your money goes into making sure that that happens. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that you know that because you'll see these roster of teachers and leaders on these shows, and you think, oh my God, what are they getting paid to do this? They're not. We are doing this because we love humanity and we want you to be able to uh, get this message. And we want to make sure that this message can go to places that they normally might not have access to. So I'm just putting that out there. If you're listening to somebody on Unity Online Radio, then they're not doing this for the dollar. They're doing it because they care about the transformation of human consciousness. So. Again, as as you are making up Chris, your Christmas list and may, make sure uh, amongst that Christmas list of your regular listener to these shows, make sure that you give a donation to Unity Online Radio. Your money will go directly into the transformation of, of many people. All right, I'm going to leave that at that. Page 222. Uh, actually, 223. Talking about when shall the kingdom come, Eric Butterworth, he quotes, Jesus was quite specific. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same term. We only use the term kingdom of heaven because of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. He changed all of the kingdom of God terms to kingdom of heaven because uh, that book was more for Jewish Christians. And Jewish people didn't like to use the word God a lot. They would substitute the word heaven for God many times. All right. So now let's keep going. This indicates that the time is now and being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God cometh, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall you say low here or there for low. The kingdom of God is within you. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. This indicates that it is not a place that it is not a place in space. It's not a location where you go to. It's an it's an experience that and it is a potential that you express. Okay, all right. He quotes a man named Al Spinsky in in the book New Model of the Universe, and it reads: "The world is a world of infinite possibilities. Every moment contains a large number of possibilities, and all of them are actualized. Only we do not see it, and we do not know it. We only see one of the actualizations, and in this." lie the poverty and limitation of the human mind. Time is not a passing phenomenon, but an unfoldment of infinite possibilities of the infinite possibilities of an expanding universe. So what it's simply saying is one of the ways of looking at the kingdom of God is, as I believe it's Deepak Chopra who calls it, the realm of infinite possibilities and potentialities. That the kingdom of God is the infinite potential of God's good being expressed now and then to come. Because because it's complete now, but not necessarily fully expressed in, in the human experience. It's fully expressed, but not in the human experience. All right. So Eric Butterworth goes on to say on 224, it's not somewhere to go, but something to be. There is no point in looking for it, for it. It comes not with observation. It is a potentiality that is always present within or on the spiritual level of life. Now think about it. People are trying to get to heaven or get to the kingdom of God. And Jesus is teaching that you're supposed to experience the kingdom of God and bring it into your life. Thy kingdom come. Not I've been a good boy. Now, God's going to take me up here and give me a mansion because that's how people believe it. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Well, yeah, there's many levels of potential, infinite possibilities of expression. Yes, there are many mansions. Really, that word is rooms in the Greek, but I don't know how it you know, translate, got translated to mansions. I'm going to have to research that one day. But it's many rooms. There are many dimensions of potential. So there are many dimensions of potential in you. So 
in my father's house there are many rooms in your in your Christ nature in your I am potential there are infinite possibilities that's how you got to look at it or you don't have to do anything but that's a way to look at it because the truth of the matter is and I said this on Sunday George Washington Carver discovered over 100 uses for the peanut if God put over 100 possibilities in the peanut, how many possibilities are in you? Think about that. If God could put 100, over 100 possibilities in a peanut, what's possible for you? How many possibilities can you express? What's your potential? Think about that. All right. Back to uh, back to the book on page two twenty five. He says many people refer to heaven as upstairs. God is often cited, said, excuse me, to be the man upstairs. I can remember as a child saying, "Cross my heart and point to heaven." There was no question about it. It was right up there, and God was up there too. We looked up there as we talked about Him. We prayed up to him. And I would add, by the way, it was always a him. So so this belief that the power is something that you're not connected to is something that we're conditioned to believe. It's passed down through generation. The man upstairs, somebody up there likes me. You know, you can be the most hardcore uh, metaphysical thinker. And then when it's your mother that makes her transition or your father or your husband or your child, then all of a sudden they, they're angels in heaven or they're, they're, they're up there with God because we were, our emotions refer back to the most basic conditioning. And we start to think about God as something up there that, you know, Oh, uh, I'm going to say it anyway, that that loved one is watching over you and all the type of stuff like that's their that's their whole sole purpose is to watch over one individual that was a part of their lives for eternity or at least for your lifetime. Like they don't have soul expansion work to continue to grow through and go through on their new plane of, of living or existence, whatever that means. Their sole job is to watch you and look over for you and make sure you get the job and make sure that you see the green light or or don't miss the red light or whatever. Let me move on. I don't want to rattle anybody. Anyway, the book goes on to say, in a very real sense, heaven is upstairs, but is the upper level of man's total consciousness. Perhaps it would help to think of your life as a great house. Jesus used this illustration, and I just used it as well. In other words, in my father's house are many mansions. In other words, there are many levels at which we can experience life. There are numerous upper floors, and there is a basement. It may be said that the, that most people live much of their lives in the basement of existence, unaware that there are rooms upstairs for happy and successful living. And one of the things about basements, some people have their basements closed off and their basements don't allow sunlight in. Now, that's a great metaphor for life. If you, if a physical house can have the windows closed or set up in a way that the basement doesn't allow you to uh, allow sunlight in, in the same way, lower levels of thinking Lower levels of human consciousness won't let the S-O-N light in, the sunlight, the, the, the light of your own spiritual nature, the light of your own I am nature, the light of your own Christ nature. We won't let the sun, S-O-N light, into our ways of thinking and being. And therefore, we walk in darkness, we live in the darkness of human consciousness, Fear, frustration, and anxiety, and poverty, and a whole bunch of other things that are the byproduct of darkness. And when I say darkness, I'm talking about thinking. That if we would uh, 
allow the sunlight, S-O-N light, to come in, it would illumine us and we could see where we're going. The Psalms, in the book of Psalms that is written, uh, your light is a lamp unto my feet, I believe it says. Your word, excuse me, your word, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Now, you got to remember, when that was written, there was no such thing as a street light. So uh, when it when it was dark outside, it was pitch black dark. You couldn't possibly see the hand in front of your face. The only thing they could rely on was moonlight. So if you went out in the dark without a lamp, you couldn't see anything. You needed a light. If not, you would possibly fall into ditches, holes, harm yourself, etc. Things can run up on you. So when it says your word is a lamp unto my feet, and, and, and metaphysics, feet represent understanding and connection to the material level of life. So while you're going through the human existence, you need understanding to work and walk through it. So the the word of God in you, and I'm not talking about just uh, as traditionally taught, reading the Bible. I'm talking about the word as in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It doesn't say in the beginning was the Bible and the Bible was with God and the Bible was God. The word, it, uh, the logos, uh, is, is the, is the, cre- is the perfect pattern of God in you. That's why it's in the beginning with God and with God and is God. So when you are in tune with the perfect pattern of God in you, it's a lamp unto your understanding. All right. Okay. He goes on to say, page 226. He says, the kingdom of heaven then is the principle of expansion. Life is a limited experience and an expanding universe. The very nature of life is growth. This is why Jesus, in trying to explain the kingdom of heaven, uses such illustrations as the sower going forth to sow, the mustard seed, and the little leaven that leaveth the whole lump. He goes on to say, life is growth and unfoldment, and life is lived from inside out. That's the process we have to understand. And when we try to live it from the outside in, we throw ourselves out. Off. Neil Donald Walsh has a statement where he says, if I do not go within, I go without. If I don't go within, I go without. If I don't go within to the truth of God in me, I go without to what the senses are telling me, what the world is telling me, and that could be right or wrong. But it also has a more subtle meaning. If I don't go within, I go without. It also means that I could go without what I need for my to live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. All right. Okay. Now, moving further down the line on the same page, it said, Jesus came declaring, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8.32. It really doesn't matter what happens around you or to you. These things are in the world, and you can overcome the world. All that matter really matters is what happens in you. Your thoughts about conditions and people, and you can control your thoughts, for you are the master of your mind, or you can be. Now, I love that, or you can be, because either you're the master of your mind, or you're not. You could be learning mastery of your mind, but does not mean you're the master of your mind. And how can you tell if you're the master of your mind? Here's a really simple, quick test does your mind consistently take you mentally in places you don't want to go imagery feelings uh, you know sensations and you feel as though that you can't stop your mind from going there or your mind leading your body to go there and body doesn't, and I'm not saying sensation. I'm not just talking about sex, by the way, I'm talking about anything that physically, you know, that could be 
too much chicken wings. It could be, you know, if you know, being gluttonous with food. It could be you don't want to smoke cigarettes, but you do. You want to put down the bottle, but you still drink. You want to stop using drugs, and you do. Obviously, an addict doesn't have control of, over their minds. They're not the master of their minds. So we're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. Mayhem to Miracle, from Disaster to Divine, Lance to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms again. I am uh, finishing up Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth, and I'm on page 229 now. Butterworth wrote, no matter what condition the world is in, you can find and express peace within yourself for the kingdom of God is within you. And it is not enough to isolate yourself in peace away from the world. You must become a peacemaker, an influence for peace among men. Christians have talked about being saved. This usually implies being saved from society, from the rest of the pagan and evil world. But no man can be saved from society. He must be saved with it, if at all, for he is society. And society is him. That's deep. I am society, and society, and and society. Well, I guess I am society. I am society. The world that I want to change is me. The world I want to transform is me. And when I'm transformed, then I can be an influence of transformation in the world. All right. All right, turning to page 230, he he wrote, we may say, if we only had a giant of a man to lead us, people have always looked for a savior or messiah. Plato looked for a God or a God-inspired man to teach us our duties and take away the darkness from our eyes. That messianic hope sinks all through the Old Testament. The religion about Jesus insists that this hope was fulfilled in Jesus that Jesus is the hope of all mankind for all time, that man must believe on him to be saved. However, in the context of Jesus's discovery of the divinity of man, we see that this great hope was not fulfilled in Jesus, but revealed through him. The true hope of mankind is the Christ spirit in the heart of all men, which Jesus in his illumined consciousness revealed. Paul put in his, it in his true perspective when he says Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven. The Christian church has preached about the saving of society. 
But Jesus called for a society of saviors. You must be a savior. Don't stand looking to the heavens. Stir up the gift of God within you. You can be a saving influence. You can be a peacemaker. Declare your unity with God and with mankind by affirming. I am now established in spiritual unity with God and with all people of the earth. Now, let me just stop here for a moment because that was a lot. People are always looking for somebody else to do it. That's really what it's saying. You know, it's violence in the streets. Somebody else's responsibility. The kids are somebody else's responsibility. Being a stand for the transformation of the world is another response. Somebody else's responsibility It's the preacher. It's the politician. It's the government. It's the cop. It's the whatever. But the peace you desire to see, you must be. And and that has to be the stand that you are if you wanted it to be demonstrated in society. See, one of the things that New Thought takes away from people is the fairy tale God. And what I mean by that is this. People think they can think the same way, feel the same way, talk the same way, act the same way react the same way and that God is going to do something completely different than in your life out of nowhere for whatever random reason, even though your thinking, feeling, words, actions, and reactions have not changed one iota. That doesn't make sense. And I know people say, well, it's the grace of God. I get all of that. But your consciousness has to be open to that. Open to it. If your mind doesn't change, if your way of being doesn't change, if your context of life doesn't change, if your paradigm doesn't shift, nothing is changing. If if you're sitting at home on your behind waiting and thinking that, well, something's going to change, God's going to make a way out of this, and you haven't changed the way you think, then you're fooling yourself. And diminishing was possible in your life because you're unwilling to look at life differently. In other words, doing the same thing and expecting different results is insanity. If you want life to be different, you have to be different. If you want life to change, you got to change. If you want your life to be transformed, you have to transform. If you if doing what you've been doing is getting you particular results, then that's cause and effect. That's what you're telling God or divine law or spirit or universe or whatever term you want to use or karma or reaping and sowing or the secret or whatever term you want to use. That's what you're telling life. I want more of. Give me more of what I think, what I feel, what I say, what how what I do and how I react. That's why the Apostle Paul said, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Can't think the same way and do the same thing. Don't want to learn. Don't want to develop. Don't want to evolve and expect that life is going to be different. You know, I, I, I get that when people come and talk to me as a minister all the time, thinking that super daddy God is just going to come up and clean up their mess. No. No. You got to get in the spirit. You got to shift your consciousness. You got to do some prayer work. You got to see a preferred future. You got to start thinking different and feeling different and talking different and, and, and taking some action, not just sitting on, on thinking, okay, God is going to do it all by itself. Faith without works is dead. What am I going to do? And sometimes you're doing is I'm going to get, up every morning and I'm going to do 20 minutes of meditation and get into the space of what I need to do. That could be just the first step. And then from that meditation, you'll get the second step. And from the second step, you'll get the third step. And then from that step, you'll get the fourth step. But how do you know you'll get the steps unless you do the first step, which is if the spirit says get up every morning at 630 and meditate for 20 minutes, you do that. And then out of that meditation, it'll say you need to, uh, do X, Y, and Z to accomplish 
whatever your desire is. And then when you do X, Y, and Z, then all of a sudden you're connected to the people that you weren't connected to. And then those people connect you to something else. That's how it works. But you got to follow the inner guidance first. But you got to steal your mind long enough so you can hear the inner guidance because who you think you are is drowning out in your mind who you really are. Because who you think you are, that false sense of self, that personality, that ego is loud. And it's trying to drown out the kingdom message, the message of your potential, the message of your infinite possibility. Because this, you have your, your your realization of truth is your savior, your savior from sickness and poverty and ill will and depression and frustration and anxiety and bad relationships and et cetera, et cetera. Not that because human things are not going to happen. Yeah, your body might end up getting something or whatever, or you might go through a bump in the road in a relationship or make a mistake in finances. But if you get back into the kingdom, the more you are involved with that kingdom type of consciousness, the lesser and lesser those situations touch you. It'll be like the Bible that says in, in Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it, but it shall not come near you. So wrapping this up, all of this is saying is simply this. When shall the kingdom come? It's already here. And it's waiting for you to bring it into expression. It's already here. And it's waiting for you to bring it into expression. So the kingdom of God is here now in its fullness and it's waiting for you. It's waiting to take care of you because it's the consciousness of wholeness and sufficiency. Be still and know and then take actions on what you know. As I close, we're going to wrap this up in the last three minutes yet again. I want to remind you that uh, you can go on and listen to different podcasts. Uh, I'll be posting some different things on my Facebook page. So make sure you go to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell to, uh, again, continue to get daily inspirational notes and et cetera. We put in different podcasts on for people to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, and keep working with it. Uh, When we start back in January, on January 15th, I'm going to be teaching from the book, How to Use Your 12 Gifts from God by William Warch. How to Use Your 12 Gifts from God by William Warch. That's W-A-R-C-H. I am requesting that everybody get the book ahead of time. I will teach the book chapter by chapter, so there will be no reason for you not to be able to keep up. The book is available online. It is still in print. This this book is a no-brainer. Get it. Don't play with it. Get the book. This book is about, is a simplified version of Charles Fillmore's concept of of the 12 powers of man, which we now sometimes call the 12 gifts of God, or some people call the mental faculties. Some people call them different things. What I'm saying is that that this is a great book to learn how to work with your inner gifts. I call the 12 powers uh, how, the way we learn how to work with total consciousness. Everybody has their way of explaining it. So if you want to learn what makes you tick and how to make yourself, as Reverend Coleman would say, tick on every talk or whatever, <laughs> you'll want to get this book and work with it again. I'm not getting anything for us going through this book. I don't know this man. I don't even know if he's still alive in a body when I mean alive, not meaning in a physical form. I do know that it's a great book, and I want to make sure that everybody gets it. And every book that I quoted here today is still in print, as far as I know. The Joe Goldsmith, The Parenthesis of Eternity, Rocco Ericos, And There Was Light, uh, Fiend Perkins, Reading the New Testament, the Parables of Jesus, Red Letter Edition by the Jesus Seminar. So if you want to do more research on the Kingdom of God message, uh, these will be excellent books for you to uh, pick up and discover. And again, give the gift that keeps on giving. Last point, 
when you go to my Facebook page, make sure that you're sharing it with people. Or if you listen to a particular podcast, put it on your Facebook page, put it on your Twitter, email it to folks if you think it's a message that, that could benefit them. In other words, let's share this good news with the world. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Ramadan. Kwanzaa. All the things that you celebrate, to God be the glory. Celebrate them. Enjoy your loved ones. Have a wonderful holiday season. And we're going to and walk into the new year 2014 in your power. Take care and God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Catuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.